Welcome to the Transfix Tig Podcast. As a reminder, all views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which such participants are affiliated warrants its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change. Enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Transfix Take podcast, where we keep you miles ahead in all things freight. This is a special State of the Freight episode with Transfix's market expert, Justin Mays. And joining us today, we also have a very special guest, Bill Cassidy. He is the senior editor for trucking and domestic transportation at the Journal of Commerce. Welcome to the show, Bill. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, Jenny. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Absolutely. Well, why don't we get right into it? We are just wrapping up Q3, and there were quite a few notable incidents that happened that created some volatility. I mean, let, let's get into it. Would you say Q3 was our most volatile quarter of 2021? Why don't we start with you, Bill? Wow, to say the most volatile quarter of 2021 is saying a lot. Uh, the whole year has been volatile. I think quarter two might have been perhaps in some ways more volatile with the winter storms that we had. Uh, but at the same time, we've seen demand obviously really pick up in the third quarter. And we had Hurricane Ida, which certainly added more volatility to a market that was already still heavily disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic after a year and a half since that pandemic first hit us. So it's, you know, volatile. And uh, in my mind, it's going to remain that way and perhaps get uh, even more so in the fourth quarter. And what about on the transfix side, uh, Maze? What were you seeing? Um, I definitely agree with Bill. Um, the winter freeze we saw back in Q2 was definitely um, more difficult to handle. And like Bill said, we've been in about 14 months now of like a peak season, essentially. Uh, I, I definitely believe that this past Q3 in 2021, shippers and carriers handled it much better than last year um, when it became the new normal. Absolutely. So then let's talk trends. What were some trends that we saw from both a carrier and a shipper perspective? Let's start with the carrier first. Um, Maze, I'll throw that to you. Yeah, the, the biggest trend is definitely carriers seat their trucks um, and the kind of freight that carriers are going after. Uh, you know, the most important thing for them right now is having good load quality, um, you know, shipments that they can run more efficiently. Got it. And Bill, what about you? What are you thinking? Well, I have to agree with that. I, I think that, uh, you know, one trend we've seen, I think you hit this, uh, Justin, was when you said that carriers handled things much better than they did a year ago. So third quarter 2020, we were just coming out of the recession. That was the first quarter when we saw recovery activity, and it was chaotic. Uh, we've had a year now where we've become accustomed to chaos to a degree. And I think that a lot of carriers are becoming much more adept at managing their way through uh, disruption. They're used to dealing with disruption. They're used to having difficulty uh, seating their trucks, as you mentioned. You know, so it's not as if it's it's brand new to them now. They've had some time to to deal with this. And I think that they are running their businesses in a much 
more consistent and better way than they probably were in the third quarter of 2020 when you know we were seeing gdp go up more than 30 percent after falling 30 percent in the previous quarter uh right. you know we've we've had you know again 14 months of it being peak season uh everybody who thought that we were going to see the cycle turn this year is still trying to figure out you know what went wrong and when we'll see that happen but it's not happening soon so i think that that strangely enough is giving carriers some more certainty than they had at any time prior to this past quarter uh, and yes it's an uncertain volatile market but the the knowledge that we're not going to see you know a major economic turn a trucking cycle turn you know this year and probably not until sometime later next year mm-hmm. gives them a bit more certainty about where they need to go uh as we look at 2022. and you know what's wild about that too when we talk about the shipper perspective we saw in at the end i would say probably q4 even into q1 we saw shippers localize their freight significantly because a lot of the warehouses overseas were obviously being shut down and facilities were being shut down. But now that we're in Q3 going into Q4 of 2021, what are what are we looking at in terms of trends for shippers? Uh, for the shippers, the major issue is getting inventory to shelves and to plants. Mm-hmm. And this has been you know, a major problem for them all year. It's gotten worse as time goes on, not better. We've seen how many ships are are at anchor off of LA Long Beach. There are also a good number of ships at anchor off of Savannah right now. Not mm-hmm. anywhere near the volume or number, but still, you know, much more than than we would expect. So, I mean, there is, you know, a, a real big ripple effect taking place in terms of inventory replenishment. You know, you have first of all high demand from U.S. consumers, and now from you know, rebounding industrial companies, right. but you also have still incidents, you know, where we have COVID outbreaks in Asia. I mean, Vietnam has been shut down on and off. You know, China has been shut down on and off. Uh, some cyclones have hit ports in Southeast China. That's delayed shipping. There's like a hundred ships, I believe, or more anchored, you know, off of Chinese ports. So, you know, they can't get their ships in to get the goods over to us. Well, they can't get ships into their ports to get the goods to our ports where they will wait an additional few weeks to get unloaded. You know, so it's, it's you know, delays all around, which are costing shippers, you know, extreme amounts of money and uh, really threatening their their sales and commercial relationships. So, you know, you're seeing in every earnings report for publicly owned companies that are shipping goods. They are looking at new ways of managing inventory. They're looking at, you know, bringing more inventory closer to home, uh, still sourcing from overseas, but perhaps looking at, you know, divvying up that uh, sourcing. So it's not just so focused on Southeast Asia or China. Um, You know, we're seeing shippers look at, uh, you know, everyone's building new distribution centers to get closer to their customers. Right. That's the whole Amazon effect and that's still ongoing. So we're seeing a lot of expansion on the distribution center side. There's not enough space out there right now for everything. So it's really, 
you know, uh, for shippers, the major issue is we need to get our goods, we need to get them to where they need to be to our customers within a, a decent amount of time. And the uh, their ability to do that has really been, you know, handicapped. Yeah, absolutely. And and Maze, what are we seeing on the on the transfix side in terms of shipper trends? Yeah, I mean, he hit definitely on the head. Um, I've been talking about the Northeast, Midwest for weeks now about how you know tight they've been, and I can say that California is definitely turning into the Golden Coast again. Like it, it's turned into a gold mine. A lot of shippers are starting to head back that way. Just in the last two days, we here at Transfix have seen rates spike, especially the longer haul, um, and it kind of seems like a similar trend that we saw last year at some point in time. Um, but yeah, all the congestion, whether it starts overseas or it's it's here on the rails, um, just getting freight from ports to you know localized warehouses before it gets moved you know somewhere else throughout the country to get closer to the end user. Um, it's 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 definitely going to be another big October, I believe, um, that we are definitely going to start seeing rates go up as longer hauls hit the market, um, trying to bypass the congestion as these retailers are really just trying to get things on the shelves for the holiday seasons. And we even see retailers, you know, putting freight on aircrafts to get it here faster um, because they just need to get that freight on those shelves. Yeah, the delays are really interesting, Justin. I mean, uh, I, I think that at LA Long Beach and that port complex, in August, it was taking 5.4 days once goods were unloaded to get them out of the port. Uh, you know, so the TEUs are sitting there for five days. Um, that was up from July. I think it was 5.2 days in July. You know, so once you get it out of the port, then it still has to be warehoused, transloaded, or, you know, or moved to intramodal. So you can just see how all these delays mount and, you know, ripple throughout the supply chain going inland. And, you know, with, with the number of ships we have offshore, that's only going to get worse for shippers. Yeah, and it's, I keep seeing it everywhere, you know, Amazon, UPS, anyone right now hiring those seasonal workers for, you know, Q4 like they traditionally do, whether it's warehouse workers or anyone within the supply chain, I can only imagine it's, it's going to be even more disruptive going into October um, as we're already, you know, kind of, uh, you know, pushing through a labor shortage, especially in this industry. Uh, it, it's definitely surprising as you see, just like on the driver side, our rates are increasing. You're seeing the same thing on the warehouse side because uh, mm -hmm. we're going to need a lot more people in the supply chain going to Q4. So Justin, if I could ask you a question, you know, you know, on the Golden Coast out, out west, you know, the, the spike in rates that you're seeing and volumes, are you seeing a lot of freight move just off the coast to the nearest secondary warehousing market? Or are you seeing freight now moving like further into the distribution networks? We're definitely seeing the latter half. Uh, the past couple of weeks leading up to this week, we were seeing it more short hauls to like Phoenix, Salt Lake, even Northern California. Now we're starting to see a large spike starting the Labor Day weekend, heading into the Labor Day weekend, which you traditionally see at the end of the month. But it's mm -hmm. only continued to rise. Um, and we're also seeing a lot more expedited shipments, you know, that need team drivers to get them across country, whether it's going to the Northeast, Southeast, or the Midwest. We're definitely seeing a substantial uptake, I, I'd say about 14% in quote requests and rates 
on long hauls have already gone up 8% just week over week this past week. Wow, that's coming out of LA Long Beach. Yeah, coming out of the Ontario and Los Angeles markets. So Bill, that, that feels like something that, that you, you know, that's unheard of. Let's hear your reaction there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously we see a surge and a buildup every year about this time, but I think the fact that it's happening already, as opposed to say in October, and the fact that it is that it's it's pretty significant in size, eight percent. Uh, that that's that's you know a uh, that's a big number, uh, an eight percent jump in rates in one week from one week to another. And even you know we're now after two weeks after Labor Day, so I think that we're yeah. seeing uh, uh, you know more of a, what we would expect to see as a regular increase. To me, that seems pretty high. Does that seem high to you, Justin? No, it seems extremely high. Um, and it's very surprising when you look back at Q3 because we saw actually about an 8 to 10% drop in re spot rate request on hauls greater than 500 miles throughout the entire length of Q3 and about 20% increase on the opposite, less than 500 miles. Um, so like we were seeing a lot less spot rate request for longer mileage lengths. And now it's kind of flipping around, which you, like you said, it's a traditional thing, but we are seeing it kind of flip as if you're flipping a switch. Yeah. With the volumes we're seeing it, obviously there's, there's, we're going to see a bigger, in, a bigger impact. So now that we've, we've hit one big standout for Q3 and, and really into Q4, let's talk about some others because there are, uh, there's some here that, that we've noted about uh, things like Spencer's maze. I'd love for you to go into that. And, and specifically with the uh, retailer food and bed industries. Yeah. For me, um, you know, me and you, Jenny, were talking offline. I was telling you how one of my best friends, she's a buyer at Spencer's. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing the conversations I have with her, her being a buyer. She said over the last couple of years, she's, she was a buyer for other companies. She never really went into meetings and it was just solely focused on supply chain. And now it's like every single meeting she's going into, that is all they're talking about. That's and I can only imagine that's, that's, you know, across the board at every company for retail or CPG or even food and beverage. Well, I mean, we were talking about this the other day too, and Bill, I don't know if you've noticed this when you're just grocery shopping or, you know, I think that's the most specific one because we usually go for the same types of things every week. And I've personally noticed that we're seeing less options. We're cutting down on the amount of, of different options that consumers have, which is not so much worrisome, but it does lead you to believe that we're gonna see a lot of that continuously throughout the rest of the year. and. Why do we think that is? It is it because we're not able to get that in at a certain amount of time, or is this just shippers playing chess in terms of you know um, still still keeping their stocks or, or food on the shelves, you know? Or what what do you what do we think that is? I think it's it's the the volume, the delays that we mentioned before in in transportation, yeah. and uh, you know just the need to ensure that you know you have those things you sell the most of in stock mm. as opposed to those things which are, are are your secondary or tertiary sellers you know uh and and the issue there is to my mind i can only get so much capacity i'm going to move the things that sell the most and are most profitable for me to sell right. uh, as opposed to you know skews that you know are people would like to have, but they don't sell as fast or as, as often. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think that the limited warehousing space, the limited truck capacity, the delays in delivery times uh, really are forcing shippers to, you know, to narrow the range of what they're shipping to a degree and, uh, you know, cut into those into those SKUs, as you mentioned. And now as we're heading, I mean, we're right upon RFP season. What are things that shippers should keep in mind as they and, and really brokers as well? In terms of how they're pricing out their their freight and and for contracted lanes, what are what are some some bits of advice that you both can give? Yeah, Jenny, like I said, I think shippers are doing a, a tremendous job compared to last year. Um, right. I, I still think shippers can continue to improve and be open minded to the way they perform their RFPs um, with flexibility. I do expect them to continue to see like this surge we've been seeing over the last year in mini bids, um, mm -hmm. so they can control their routing guides and prevent them from, you know, leaking out any more than they already have been. Yeah, I think that, you know, last year we saw shippers looking at the marketplace and, and trying to evaluate how they should position themselves, uh, which they always do. But I think last year was a lot more difficult because, you know, shippers saw rates plummet early in the year, thanks to the right. pandemic. Then they saw rates, you know, go up and they haven't stopped climbing since. Uh, you had a couple of times in the past year when there was discussion around whether the market was going to change, whether the pricing cycle was going to become deflationary. Uh, a lot of people expected that in, in early, like in the first quarter of 2021, and it didn't happen. Instead, you know, we hit the, uh, the freeze in the central south in Texas and in parts of Mexico as well. And, you know, rates just began going up again. And, you know, we we've we've seen, you know, you know some. I think the overall national averages would show we're operating in this this high elevated range, which maybe has you know not climbed as much in the past few months as it did previous. But again, you look at rates at the north rates from the northeast to Chicago, or or rates out of L.A. now again, um, and we're seeing a lot hotter action in those markets. I think shippers are probably looking at this now as something they are going to have to do with long-term. Right. Um, they know that they're not going to re regain pricing power quickly, even when the market does turn and things become more balanced. Uh, so, you know, the idea that they're going to go to carriers and try and, you know, get rate reductions, I, 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 you know, just off the bat, I think that's probably not a good idea. Right. I think that they can go to carriers and what they need to do now is something that, you know, we've talked about a lot in the past, but it's very difficult. And that's actually really find a way to collaborate. If you want to constrain the increase in costs, you know, that's what you need to do. And that's probably what's more realistic than saying, I'm going to get my costs down. And I do talk with shippers who say, well, I always get a cost reduction. I'm like, really? Well, how do you do that? And it, it always comes down to they're offering the carrier something back that allows mm. the carrier to say, you're saving me some money here, so I don't have to give you an increase here. Right. So if you can do that, you're, you're, you're ahead of the game, and you'll probably wind up being in much better place in 2022 than you found yourself coming into 2021. You know, and, and to, to tackle on to that, we are seeing – 
a huge influx of new drivers coming into the market that are not familiar with this level of volatility that they may, you know, partnership really is key here. And we're just coming off of National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. And so, you know, a lot of us here at Chancex, we say that it's not just a week, it's every day. But really what we mean by that is the partnership has to exist between a shipper and a carrier. Because to your point, if there's new new drivers coming into the market and they're seeing this level of volatility go up and up and down every single, I mean, it feels like we're doing this every other day. You have to be able to partner and at least give back in some way, whether it's consistent freight or, you know, in some way, shape or form, you know, whether we're loading and and unloading at, at the right times and, you know, trying to get rid of that detention that I feel like drivers are always stuck at there. That's such a great point in that partnership. You know, I think what's going to be different or will need to be different going forward, because you mentioned drivers as well and the importance of drivers. And I think that collaboration between shippers and carriers, that supply chain collaboration has to really include the driver now. I think in previous iterations of collaboration, the shipper and carrier or 3PL would sit down together and say, hey, let's collaborate. And when we've decided what we're going to do, we'll tell the driver what he or she has to do. You know, right. it's their job to execute. Uh, they have to do more than just that now. I think that they need to be included in the collaboration at a high level. And the reason for that is the only way you're going to get drivers is by, you know, as we have said, getting them home more often, giving them, uh, not just getting them home more often and giving them more wages, which are both important, but also giving them a sense of ownership in the enterprise. Absolutely. We need to understand that they are, we're telling them you're such an, Truck Driver Appreciation Week, you're such a critical part of our business. Why don't we consult you about our critical business and how we can improve it? You know, many carriers do that. Many carriers do not. Right. You want to make a guess at the percentage that don't. But, you know, it's it's something I think that needs to change as we move forward if we want to keep drivers and bring new drivers into the industry. Now, Bill, one question on that, because you've, you've been in the industry much longer than me. I always say now, because of the state we were in and how long it's been now over a year, I consider this, a lot of people consider it the carrier's market. I consider it the driver's market because the driver can go anywhere, especially on the smaller and mid-sized carriers. They basically are dictating what freight that carrier is taking. So like, I only think that like more like seconds your your point is because this is, I don't know if this is the first time, but I can imagine we haven't been through something like this, um, at least in a while, to where drivers right now have a bigger voice than they've ever had, and hopefully that'll get them to the table for bargaining. I think that's true, and I hope it continues, regardless of the cycle. And I think there's a good chance it may, simply because when you begin when you begin to institute a lot of these programs, and there's some really good carriers that are are becoming much more driver centric and they they have driver panels that deal with every portion of their business i mean you need to have more of that uh you know the you know the i think for a long time it's it's been considered more of a a job than a career and it's not always the only job that person is doing um you know quite often it's a job they do in addition to a second job um, 
you know, so they may be driving a part of the month and then doing something else another part of the month. You know, that rarely gets taken into consideration when we talk about drivers and, and career paths and all that. Uh, you know, so I think there's a lot more that needs to be done in that area. And I think this is different from other uh, capacity crunches that we've had and driver shortage periods that we've had uh, in many ways, because it is so intense and it is so broad. And, you know, it's much longer lasting than, say, the 2018 capacity crunch or the 2014 capacity crunch were. Uh, you know, so, so, yeah, I mean... I'm hoping that this leads to some change in how we think about drivers, how we view them, how we interact with them uh, on a work basis, you know, and how the public views them, you know. Um, you know, so there's there's reason for hope out there, I think, that drivers will become much more part of this collaborative process. And, you know, as time goes on, the nature of the job will change enough that, yeah, more people, hopefully more people will be able to qualify to do it and more people will want to do it. I'd love to hear, where do you think we are headed for Q4? I know that's a baited question, but what are some, you know, in terms of 2020 comparison to now, where do we think we're headed? High spot market prices, higher contract rates, more congestion and delays for freight, uh, more breakdowns in the supply chain and it could get worse than we'd expect because we're still in the hurricane season. Yeah. Uh, cyclones are still out there in the Pacific. There are, you know, whatever might happen, our system is so stressed right now that its resilience is very low and it doesn't take a lot. And we've seen this this year. We've seen, we've seen this year to go from one, you know, emergency to another, you know, just when we think we're, things are all right, you know, or getting back into some kind of balance, a ship gets stuck in the Suez Canal. Who would have anticipated how much that would affect businesses in the U.S. and freight flow in the U.S.? Then, you know, you have, you know, a couple of Chinese ports shut down because of a COVID-19 outbreak. Then Vietnam shuts down factories, you know, and you come back around, you have a hurricane in Louisiana. It, Every time you turn, there's another uh, disaster or event that causes more disruption, which ripples across, you know, the supply chain. And I think, you know, one thing that this comes out into, and it, I think, you know, we've talked about this, Justin, things are moving differently than they did in the past. You have, you know, lanes which were not so dense at one time now becoming denser because freight has been shifted to those lanes you know, you have capacity in one area where it's it was needed last year, but it's not needed as much this year. Um, you know, that kind of disruption, which is caused by these events, you know, further disrupts delivery schedules, production schedules, you know, sales events at stores. I mean, all this stuff, you know, winds up turning on, you know, what has happened at the previous bottleneck in the supply chain. And, you know, I think we're gonna see, this quarter is gonna be a real test of how we can how we can manage those bottlenecks. Absolutely, Amaze, what are you, what are you thinking for Q4? I think exactly the same thing. Uh, I think we're gonna see rates continue to go up throughout October and November. 
Um, a lot of people, are, you know, may think differently that rates will start generally coming down in November, but I believe it's going to be a pretty busy October, November, December, similar to what we saw last year. Um, and if anything, like Bill said, if, if anything does happen, whether it's a hurricane, even a snowstorm in the Northeast, any more pressure on the market, um, you'll start seeing that domino effect that, you know, we saw when Hurricane Ida hit or um, the deep freeze in the South hit, any more pressure on an already peaked out supply chain right now is, is definitely going to have that domino effect across all markets and continue this even more prolonged into 2022 because um, there's no site, there's no end site into just the, even the port congestion. Um, you know, a lot of people are hoping that by the time we get to the Chinese New Year, it'll be like a relief point. Uh, but there's really no telling at this point because it, it's only getting worse right now. You know, and that, and you think of things like, you know, truck equipment. You know, I, we expected a lot of truck equipment to come into the market this year, which might have eased capacity constraints if we could find drivers for them. But, you know, at the same time, we haven't had the, the semiconductor issue has not been resolved. It's only gotten worse in some ways. We've had more semiconductor plant shutdowns in Asia because of COVID-19. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of things being dragged out much longer than we expected them to. And I think that, yeah, the ocean congestion, the the lack of capacity on the ocean, the congestion at ports, both in Asia and the U.S. and Europe, these are all going to be issues into 2022 uh, that won't just, you know, go away after the Chinese New Year, say. And now the three of us are obviously consumers, right? So we're, as we enter into the holiday season, what is some, and I feel like we all know the answer here, but coming from the expert's mouth, what are, what is some uh, things that we can do as consumers to help make sure that we're not waiting until the last minute to buy our holiday gifts? Wow, that's a great question. I suggest this is a great year, you know, to develop your craft skills. <laughs> Just oh no! Paint, paint a rock or something, and give that to your, you know, <laughs> as a gift. You know, uh, things you don't have to order online. But yeah, I mean, obviously, order early and often if you're planning to do a lot of holiday shopping. Uh, those who wait until December will not be giving those gifts out until February, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's going to be a, you know, especially I think online, but also in stores, it's going to be a difficult season for all the reasons we discussed. I mean, it's it's a matter of, can you get goods? When we're adding goods, when we're adding like, like a month or even two months mm. to the transit time from origin to destination, oh. uh, you know, getting something into a store by say November is, is really, it's difficult this year. I mean, I think you had to have shipped it in June uh, <laughs> if you really wanted to make sure you could have it in a store in time for holiday sales. But, but you know, you think about the peak season. I mean, being one of the old ones, I can remember when the peak season for trucking was like October and November. And, you know, after Thanksgiving, that was it. You know, now it's, you know, now it goes regularly into January. And, you know, this year really began, I think, in August. So, wow. you know, so we have seen this peak spread out and, you know, in terms of the ocean volumes and how they're affecting everything, they, they've been at peak for a lot longer. Uh, so, yeah, never-ending peak, as, as people have called it. Well, well, it should end in 2022, but it's not going to end that quickly. 
you know, and we're also talking about, we, we haven't even considered any variants that are already developing overseas where that could, not to get dark, but could bring a significant strain again on the supply chain. And, and we're hoping obviously that that is not the case, but you know, one thing that you, you hit on Bill was that distribu distribution centers are opening up nationwide. Do you feel like that is something that is gonna be able to help us through the holiday season or something that we won't really see the long-term benefits until 2022? I think we'll see some benefit this year. I think we probably already are seeing some benefit. Uh, you know, I think part of the issue is, you know, you open up new distribution centers, new fulfillment centers, the volumes continue to grow. So right. things fill up pretty quickly. Uh, you know, at some point, I think at, at some point, demand is going to slow. I'm not saying it's going to disappear, but it's going to slow. Mm -hmm. uh, how many refrigerators can you buy for your house? I mean, really? Uh, <laughs> You know, so I think we're going to see demand slow and that'll bring things back to more of an equilibrium. I mean, that's where I think capacity catches up. I mean, it's not so much that we can add trucks, trailers, containers, chassis, trains, drivers, warehouse workers. You know, it's not that we can add enough of them to see capacity balance. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, would carriers want to do that? Because once they do that, they will see pricing power seep away. But, you know, I think that when demand does eventually cyclically begin to drop uh, and it's been inflated by the recovery and by, you know, all kinds of assistance, you know, when that changes again, when our buying habits begin to change, I think we will see, uh, you know, a, a capacity and pricing begin to be better balanced. But, you know, again, I don't think that's going to be for, you know, for a while, certainly later in 2022, probably than anyone's expected. Yeah, and I completely agree with Bill there. Um, I, if you haven't started buying already, you have to start buying now. And that's coming from a procrastinator. I usually wait till December. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I went through my own experience recently. And you would think since I worked in the industry, I wouldn't be upset when I order something on Amazon and it's delayed by three weeks. Um, and then I just cause even more of a backlog when I cancel that and go to the store instead to buy it because I need it now. Um, like just the, the demand and goods this year and then followed by, you know, not getting it until after December and then all of the returns that come after that with, you know, more demand, more goods being purchased. Um, one for, for a long one. On that point, do we feel like consumers finally understand how incredibly important and significant the supply chain is now? Or do we still feel like there's there's some room there to understand what it actually is? I think there's some room there still. I mean, I would like to think that after the past two years, almost everyone out there is aware that things don't magically appear on shelves. <laughs> right. uh, toilet paper comes from someplace. And, and why was it so hard to get it for so many months and in 2020. I mean, those those events, I'm sure, left an impression on a lot of people's minds. Uh, but we, we, we all have short attention spans when it comes <laughs> to these things. So, you know, I do hear people complain and grumble just anecdotally about not being able to find certain things in stores. And why is that? Well, it's the same reason as it was last year. Uh, demand is really high. And capacity to produce and to move stuff is down. Uh, the the labor issue is a big part of that. You know, the, the fact that a lot of companies can't hire workers fast enough mm. um, you know, to, to 
either produce items or to store them or to ship them. Uh, you know, that is helping with a lot of these, helping to extend a lot of shortages and create a lot of shortages. Um, you know, but uh, I, I think that people probably have a, a slightly better understanding of it, but let, let's hope they keep that focus and don't forget about it, you know, because we've been through this before, you know, not to this extent, perhaps, or with this intensity, but, you know, you would have thought after 2014, you know, the public would have had a, a better sense of what the supply chain meant, 2018 right. as well. And, you know, 2019, 2016 comes around, things are slower. Uh, they're not as, you know, focused on that. Uh, companies as well. I mean, I think here's the big thing. I mean, consumers may or may not understand how important the supply chain is, but uh, businesses that ship goods, manufacturers, mm -hmm. retailers, you know, they really need to and should. Uh, right. And I think that most of them do. More of them do now, I think, than ever before. We were talking about Spencer's before. You know, every earnings call right now is about supply chain and ocean shipping and truck rates and warehousing. You know, if things change by 2023, if we have a slower year in 2024, does that focus? Do you hear about transportation in these calls? Maybe not. We didn't hear so much about it in 2016, 2017. So we'll have to see. But I think that we've had so many supply chain crises in the past seven years, eight years even, that we're, we're definitely at the point now where companies are becoming more aware that this, this, this is going to happen on a fairly regular basis. This volatility, this, this type of issue is going to resurface again in one shape or form. And we have to be more resilient we have to do risk management. We have to be prepared for it in some way. And there you have it. We hope you enjoyed this special episode of the Transfix Take podcast, The State of Freight. And a big thank you to our friend Bill Cassidy at the Journal of Commerce and JOC.com for coming on and sharing his expertise. You're welcome back anytime, Bill. Tune in next week for an all new episode and drive safely. Mm -hmm.